So let's go ahead and get ready to dive in. I'm going to open up with a word of prayer. Uh, I'm going to introduce my topic this morning. Once again, I'm so pumped to be here. For those that don't know who I am, my name is uh, Jamal Miller. Me and my wife, we launched an online brand called Married and Young about six years ago. And God has just blown on this thing as pertains to really revitalizing marriages for our day. And I'll be telling more of the story as we go in. But I just want to open up with a word of prayer as we are ready to dive into tonight's talk, today, today's talk. Holy Spirit, we love you so much. And we're grateful to come before you and come into your word together as a community, as a family. Father, I just ask that you would anoint your word this morning. Lord God, let me just be a messenger, Father, for you to bring a word of encouragement, Father, to bring enlightenment, Lord God, that you can begin to illuminate, Father, the things that you want to say in the hearts of your beloved children. May they leave excited and invigorated to go and fulfill the purpose of God upon their lives this morning. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, everyone said, shout with me, one, two, three. Amen. Come on, somebody. Let's give it up for God one good time as we get to dive into his word. I've been coming from you from a topic this morning. You guys have been in an amazing series called The Forever Project. And I will tell you right now that marriage is under attack like we've never seen before. How many of you agree with that? That marriage is under attack, whether you are a single man, a single woman, or maybe you are an engaged couple, dating couple, married couple, everyone in some form or is in a season of preparing themselves in a form of a relationship, right? Relationship is literally how God created us to be in relationship with one another. And the attack that we're seeing on marriage, I believe, is deeper than just God, the enemy not wanting you to be in love. I believe that marriage is the institution that God wants to use and created to use to turn our world upside down and to establish his kingdom here on the earth. So say it with me. It's bigger than me. Say it's bigger than me. And if it's bigger than you, it's going to take more than you in order to do it. So I want to talk about a real topic this morning as we continue in this, as we close out this series, The Forever Project, on something that I do believe that can get in between you and your spouse having a forever marriage. It's a real topic, it's a real issue, and it's very practical. And it's something that the Lord has used in our marriage to truly transform our marriage and allow us to learn one another better. This topic, everybody, is called Hidden Triggers. Everybody say Hidden Triggers. The counterintuitive way to learning your spouse. Hidden Triggers. The counterintuitive way to learning your spouse. Basically, what happens when your spouse tick you off and why do they just do that to you? Come on, somebody. We all have experienced those moments in our marriages and our relationships where somebody triggers your flesh. And they cause something to come out that you didn't even know was in there. And you may respond in a way that you potentially regret. And that is what the enemy desires from every single time that you trigger. He is using triggers today to separate couples to cause them to begin to look at one another like they are not on the same team, like you are against me because you're bringing out a side of me that, hey, you should not be bringing out. Well, I, I, before I met you, that wasn't in there. And what happens, ladies and gentlemen, is we're seeing an opportunity for triggers to be one of the greatest inventations of all times. Now, why do I talk about learning your spouse? Well, it's because, y'all, me and Natasha, when we got married, we were complete strangers. We were like, complete strangers? How does that work? We met online, y'all. They were like, oh, Lord, Jesus. Single man, 
seven, eight years ago, scrolling on Facebook. At this point in my journey, I believed that my wife was going to come through. I was going to be at the grocery store. I was a man of God, single, living in Chicago. Had a good little two jobs I was working. Had a car. I was doing something. Had a little half of a degree for the glory of God. I was still finishing my degree. And I said, God, it's about time. How do you want to do this? And in my mind, I thought she was going to come to the grocery store, y'all. I mean, I was going to be on that aisle three shopping for the noodles. Come on, because, you know, spaghetti is probably one of the easiest things for a single man to make. All right? It's just noodles and sauce. You can't mess it up too much. So I was going to be on aisle three getting the noodles, and she would be on aisle three getting the sauce. And when I reached down to get the noodles, she would be reaching down to get the sauce, and our heads would bump. Boom. And she would fall to the ground, and I will look down and say, how you doing? Let me help you up. And at that moment, our eyes would meet, and all of heaven would begin to stop everything it was doing. The angels would come down, the music would begin to play. And in that moment, everything would pause, and the Lord would shout from heaven, I have called you two to be together forever. This marriage will be a marriage like none other. That's how I thought it was going to go down, y'all. I thought it was going to be a fairy tale love story. But instead, for the glory of God, I'm scrolling on Facebook one good day. And I see this beautiful black woman posting about Jesus. I say, who is this girl? How do I not know her? And y'all, fast forward the story. I end up messaging her. Yeah, I know. I slid in the DMs. That's what they call it. <laughs> I've never done anything like this before, ever. Slid in the DMs, messaged her, how you doing? I don't know how, I don't know you, but I want to encourage you. Keep doing what you're doing. She had a blog, a ministry she was doing. And y'all, that just set the tone. As we began to message, at this point, I truly was not trying to really find a wife. I was just really being curious. But the Lord just gave me a peace. And finally, me and my pastors are talking about her. I said, man, I met this girl online. It's kind of crazy. There's something to it. She lived in California. I was in Chicago. And soon after that, y'all, I gave her an opportunity for us to talk on the phone. And from there, rest is history. Our first time seeing each other for more than three days was after we got married. We were long distance for our entire duration of our dating. Any long-distance relationships in here, anybody? It's, see, it's real today. A lot of folks are opting out of it. They're like, uh-uh, I need to know what you like in real time. I need to know what you like in the morning. I need to, you know, I need to know what you like. I, come on, I need to know what's going on with you before I marry you. I needed to go through some seasons with you. We didn't live together. We did not have sex. We kept that thing pure. And I remember after getting married... And after being the third day of us being together, she had moved to Chicago. I said, wow, this is like different. Cause this is like we haven't seen each other longer than this moment. This required us to learn one another. Because we were actually legitimately learning each other in marriage. And this is where this, this comes. The Bible says, y'all, in John chapter 8, verse 32, the Bible 
says clearly here, and you will know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. I want y'all to say it with me. John 8, 32. One, two, ready to go. And the, let's say right here. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Y'all, the truth hurts, though. The truth is hard. But there is no way to have a successful marriage without truth. And we all know who is the truth. Jesus Christ is the truth. And the Bible even continues to say, and I will tell you this, that he is the way. And the only way for you to have a healthy marriage today is for you to have a marriage where Jesus can get himself in. Because the enemy is going to do everything in his power to keep the truth out of your marriage. I.e., he's going to do everything in his power to keep Jesus out of your marriage. Your flesh is so big and your spouse's flesh so big that you literally have to deflate your flesh in order to allow God to begin to make room into your marriage. And I guarantee you it will not feel good in the very beginning. And one of the ways that he does this is through triggers. So I want to talk to you today from this topic of triggers, because I do believe that triggers are an invitation to shine light on a truth that is waiting to be revealed in your marriage. I'm going to say it again. Triggers are an invitation to shine light on a truth that is waiting to be revealed in your marriage. And I'm, just, I'm not just talking about the little miniature trigger moments that happen in marriage. All right. For me and my wife, we have some miniature, we have some little mini moments. For example, when we're on date night and she orders seafood, I'm like, now you know I don't like seafood. What's the purpose of being married if I can't eat your food and eat my food too? Is there any couples like that out here that get a little upset whenever your spouse wants to have some of your food? I'm like, come on, man. Stop being selfish for the glory of God. Get some food that I like, too, so I can have my food and try and eat it, and then I can test out your food, try and eat it. We went to a seafood spot last night, and I already just immediately gave up in my head that I wasn't going to be able to try her food out. I'm not talking about those little moments like that. Nor am I talking about for me and my wife, it's the moments with the kids. She gets real upset, y'all, when I'm able to zoom out. Whenever she's zooming in with the kids and the kids are crying their heads off, the girls are going crazy, and I don't hear it. <laughs> I really don't hear it. And she's like, are you, what's, are you kidding me right now? How do you not hear what's going on? I'm like, I just thought it was a superpower that God gave us men that when the kids are going crazy, you know, I'm just going to continue to focus in on what's happening right in front of me, right? So these are all these little miniature, these moments right here you can just laugh off. But the stuff that got, that has happened in our marriage, some of the triggers that have happened are triggers that can actually cause marriages to not make it. How many of you have ever experienced a trigger moment in your marriage? Come on, let's be honest. Truth number one about triggers. Triggers are an invitation to partner with God in the healing process of your spouse's past. When you got married, you did not just marry a person, ladies and gentlemen. And this is for my singles as well, as you guys are preparing for marriage. Do know this. There is no such thing as a perfect spouse. All of heaven 
can authorize your marriage and say you married the right one. But I guarantee you there is no one in this room that has second-guessed that thought right there in marriage. Because when all hell is breaking loose, the one thing the enemy wants to get you to think in your head, did I miss it? Did I make the wrong decision? But the reality is, ladies and gentlemen, you did not just marry a person. You married a story. And that story has a past. That story has a present. And that story has a future. And when there's a moment in your marriage where there is a trigger and flesh rises up, that trigger is connected to a past trauma. That trigger is connected to a past situation. That trigger is connected to a past experience. And this is an opportunity for you as a, as a spouse, as a partner in your spouse's story to help heal the trauma that your spouse has experienced. When I got married, I brought a behavior, a very destructive behavior into my marriage. Can I be honest this morning? Is this, is this okay? I brought a behavior that was very destructive. And this, this addictive behavior almost ruined my life. It is an addiction to pornography. And I remember having my first fall in marriage. Y'all, hear me when I say this. How many of y'all, and this is something that's real. Marriage does not heal lust. And a lot of folks will get married thinking, oh, I can do, I can have it. I can have it any time I want now. Oh, yeah, I'm good now. I ain't got to worry now. And I'm sanctified. It's holy now. Marriage does not heal lust. I get married, I have my first fall, and the Lord convicts me. And I'm like, oh, crap. I thought, this, I, thought I was fixed down. I thought I wouldn't struggle with this anymore. What's, God, what's, what is it? What's going on? I have two paths. I can choose the path of fear. She's going to leave me. She's going to look at me like I'm was a liar. She's going to not trust me as a man anymore. She's going to think that she's not good enough. She's going to see me as broken, messed up. Or I can go down the path of freedom. But I knew fear, keep it inside. Don't tell nobody. She'll need to know this. This is between you and God. Freedom, bring her in on it. Let her be a part of this and trust God. Fear reveals where you don't trust God. I remember sitting down with Natasha. Hey, babe, there's something I got to tell you. And I bring her in on this, y'all, on this issue that I've had in my past. And this is what she says to me. She says, hey, thank you so much for being honest with me. Your struggle is not just your struggle anymore. Your struggle is now our struggle. Y'all, when she said those words to me, the grace of God rushed in. Come on now. 
And let me tell you something this morning. Marriage may not heal lust, but let me tell you, the grace of God does. The grace of God is the empowering ability to do something that you can't do on your own. And in that moment, she did not point the finger at me and tell me that I was less than, that I was incapable, that I was a horrible man. She looked at me and she said, I believe that we're going to get through this together. I believe I'm going to walk with you. And y'all, let me tell you something. I've experienced freedom from pornography and it came through the grace that God demonstrated through my wife and he used her to help break a chain and she partnered with my, with the living God to help heal something from my past and not only did it heal my past, it saved my future. I know that having hard conversations in marriage will 100% cause you to have to strip away your pride, your ego, and strip away all the things you may think in your head that could go this way or could go that way, but you've got to let go of the fear, and you've got to let God in and let him do the work that only he can do. Because let me tell you something, you cannot control your spouse. You cannot change your spouse. Only God can change your spouse. Only God can transform your spouse, but it will come through you allowing God to do it. The last thing you want to do is to be a block or be a hindrance to the move of God that he wants to do in your spouse. Because right now, your spouse is not just a person. Your spouse is a story that God is trying to redeem. He is trying to reset, and he's trying to set free. And that's what the truth does. When the truth comes in and you do it with the grace of God, the truth shall bring liberty. It shall bring freedom. This, my friend, is what God desires. We are not trying trying to go after trying to be a perfect marriage. Nah, I'm trying to be a graceful marriage. I'm trying to be an empowered marriage because it's one thing to say I love you with your words. There's a whole nother thing to prove it with your actions. And I don't know how you see love, but I see love like this. A man dying on the cross for my sins. And proving his love to me by his sacrifice. And that's what God calls us to do in marriage. The goal in learning your spouse's past is that you can then understand why they do what they do. So you can extend the grace. Everybody say grace. Which is not easy. But it helps you to believe the best about your spouse even when you don't want to. That is the goal of learning your spouse's past, y'all. I remember the first time I started, remember my wife started telling me stories. I was like, oh, goodness gracious. You, so you had a life before me. <laughs> That's real. And I remember her, me telling her all my little stories. She's like, so you mean you like somebody else before me? I was like, babe, I mean, you have to go into your spouse's past in order to learn why they do what they do so you can be able to extend grace. The goal in marriage is not to win, it's to understand. We try to see every argument as an opportunity to win. An argument is an opportunity to understand. Amen? Number two, triggers are an invitation to establish a safe place to grow in your marriage. Triggers are an invitation to establish a safe place to grow in your marriage. Hollywood movies have made the great attempt 
to portray marriage as the ultimate destination for a happily ever after. We are every single day in competition with the notebook. We are every single day in competition with every love movie that comes out by Hollywood, trying to live up to the expectations of what we see on the movie screen. But the reality is, the truth they fail to show is the only way to get to a happily ever after, you have to grow there. It's not going to happen just by you waking up every single day. You have to make an intentional decision every single day to grow because the reality is in your marriage is either getting better or getting worse, period. And that's a hard truth. That's a hard pill to swallow. But the Bible says in Proverbs 27, 17, iron sharpens iron so a friend sharpens a friend. And do y'all know the truth about that scripture? The only way for one piece of iron to sharpen another piece of iron is to actually rub against where this iron is sharper in that area against where another piece of iron is not sharper. Which means in marriage, the only way for you and the other, your, your significant other to sharpen one another is to take something that you aren't good at and it's going to rub against something that your spouse is good at. Or for something that you are good at to rub against something your spouse isn't good at, which now creates this friction between you two because you're rubbing against the thing that you're good and she isn't or thing that he's good and you're not. That is hard, y'all. Whoa. But this is the only way to grow in marriage? Oh, Lord, goodness gracious God. Y'all, this happened in our marriage. One of our biggest fights that we had in our marriage. I triggered Natasha real good, y'all. I mean, I said the right thing. Oh, for the grace and glory of God. Natasha had, I was kind of in my head one day. And sometimes you just are thinking things, and you should not say it. Men, you be like, well, I, I, I didn't get married to be quiet. I got to tell her what I'm thinking, and she need to be able to handle it. And maybe, and the women be saying the same thing for the glory of God. They be like, listen, if he married me, he should be able to handle me. <laughs> Woo! We got to use some wisdom here, y'all. So one day, things are just not going well. We just, we just, I mean, we just had a, it wasn't even a bad day, y'all. It was a bad month. And I say to Natasha, babe, can I be honest? No, Jamal, don't be honest. Don't be honest. This is, this is not how I thought marriage was supposed to be. Y'all, I went into marriage with a fairy tale. And she said, well, what do you mean? You didn't think this is what you, not thought, what you thought marriage was supposed to be? I said, I, I don't know. I just thought it would be different. I should have sat down with God and processed this but with him first. I was like, yeah, I just thought it would be a little different. I don't know. I'm still figuring out, you know, what I'm thinking. But this is just not what I thought marriage was supposed to be like. And I'm just trying to walk in through this thing. Things, 
Natasha looked at me, grabbed her keys, and walked out. Got in her car, backed out, and just left. I said, oh. They didn't teach me this in Bible college. <laughs> what scripture is this one? God? She leaves. And when she leaves, y'all, at that point, I had no idea what to do. I had triggered her. And as I began to pray, I began to talk to God about this thing. Now, I rest assured, Natasha was from California, so she had no family in Chicago. So I was like, I mean, she can't go to mama's house. <laughs> I was like, she probably had Popeye's chicken sitting in the parking lot. But I knew I messed up. I knew I messed up. I'm calling her over and over and over. She's not picking up. Calling her, calling her, calling her. She finally walks back in about an hour later. And I look at her, and I'm like, please help me understand what just happened. And she's like, when you said those words to me, it triggered every fear I had about marriage and being good enough for marriage. And I went straight into self-protection mode. There are three things or three ways a spouse responds in a moment of when their pressure gets high and emotions get strong. They're either going to freeze and not say anything to you they're either going to flight, which is run, or they're going to fight. You need to know how your spouse responds in times when you, they are triggered. You got some freezers. Say something. What are you thinking? Come on, respond. You got the flighters. My wife, I'm out. And you got the fighters. You ain't going to do this to me again. You ain't going to say this. Come on, let's go. Each of these three are triggers, moments that you need to be real about to know how to respond accordingly. I learned her in that moment that she was a flighter. And in that time, I knew I had to extend grace. Because I wanted to go in. That is not what you do. We are a Christian, holy, matrimony couple for the glory of God. We said yes to one another. And we say yes to each other. I want to go straight past Jamal, y'all. That's the, but I learned in my household for the glory of God, that's the last person she needs. Is a bunch of scripture and me telling her what she did about herself. And we said like this, casting blame in marriage is almost like telling somebody that their side of the boat is sinking. Y'all are on the same boat. 
Hey, did you know your side is sinking? If your side, if they side sinking, you sinking. If your spouse down, you down. Happy wife, happy life. So in that moment, I immediately say, what did I do wrong? And as we begin to walk through this moment, and I'm listening to her, and I'm understanding what it triggered, and I'm hearing her talk about her parents' marriage, and I'm hearing her talk about what she experienced in their marriage, and how it trained her as a little girl, trained her as a teenager, trained her as a young, young, you know, I begin to just hear what she's saying, and I begin to understand, and immediately I say these, the three words, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know now I will not say that to you. But then she responded back, help me understand why you said that. And I was like, well, first of all, I shouldn't have said it. So I apologize there, but why did I say it? It was because I grew up with this mindset that if you marry the right one, y'all shouldn't argue. You shouldn't have fights. I grew up with a mindset that, hey, as long as my marriage is based upon the word and Jesus is in it, that we shouldn't have any friction. Because I saw what my parents went through, and I, I just put it as the reason why they're like that is because they don't have God. This is not how my marriage should be. And we begin to just unveil our truths. And as we're unveiling our truths, ladies and gentlemen, the grace of God once again rushed in. Woo. And we're both just being honest and laying everything out on the table and being real. And in that moment, she wasn't better. I wasn't better. Jesus was better. In that moment, I wasn't right. She wasn't right. Jesus was right. In that moment, we both got real and we got naked with one another. We have gotten to a place as believers that we think the greatest part about marriage is being naked with our bodies. No, ladies and gentlemen, the greatest part about marriage is being naked with our soul. It's being naked with the things that only our spouse will learn about each other. It's being naked about the things that we've covered up for years. Being naked about the things that we've kept secrets. Being naked about the things that we haven't understood. And being able to be transparent and real and letting Jesus come and pull the covers and begin to love you both the way that he only can love you. Because let me tell you something, your spouse will fail you, but Jesus will never fail you. Your spouse will hurt you, but Jesus will never hurt you. Your spouse will do things to you to make you second guess everything, but Jesus will be for you what only he can be. So don't turn on your spouse. Let your spouse in. Last point, and I'm done this morning. How many of you having a good time? This is real. Come on, man. Let's give God some glory for that one right there. Y'all are like, oh, Lord. Too much is given, much is required, y'all. Last point, and I'm... Number three. Triggers are an invitation to allow God to lead your marriage. 
Triggers are an invitation to allow God to lead your marriage. The Bible says a three-stranded cord is not easily broken. What's so crazy about marriage is that it is the foundational human relationship. It is the relationship that God created as the foundation of all relationships. That this would be the hub, that this would be the center, that this would be the model that he would use to be the picture of his relationship with the church. I want to use marriage as something to be a mystery to show what it looks like to love me and be committed to me. But I will also say this, that marriage is a direct assault on our foundational spiritual weakness. Our foundational spiritual weakness is pride, y'all. It's pride. And I remember the moment that I allowed pride to begin to come into our marriage. And I began to think that I had it all under control, big and bad Jamal, until one day I lost my job and I could not provide anymore. There's something about a man's inability to provide that strikes what you think your worth is in a marriage. Can I be honest this morning? And that trigger of being broke, y'all, that's the one of the worst triggers right there. You'd be like, we ain't got no money. We go on food stamps. I am feeling worthless as a man. And in this moment, that trigger forced me to have to get and confront God and say, God, I need you back in the driver's seat. Because right now, I'm leading my marriage into destruction. I need you to lead it. I told the story at our date night. Many of the couples were there. The Lord gives me a challenge to sow a seed to break the spirit of mammon off of my marriage, which is the love of money. And no longer allow money to lead our marriage but to put Christ back in the driver's seat. We sold the seed of $1,000 to break off the spirit of mammon and to show God that we trust him again as a couple. And let me tell y'all, that thing accelerated my relationship with my wife and my relationship with God. And it put him back in the driver's seat. And what it did was it allowed us to see that we cannot have control over everything. There are some things in your marriage that you're going to have to relinquish control and learn how to trust God. Because there's nothing greater than a, a couple that has allowed God to lead them. What does that require? It requires you doing some things that just don't make no sense at all. And I want to encourage you today as I close. The Bible says, do not be ignorant of the devil's devices. One of those devices is to use lies to cause you and your spouse to forget that you are on the same team. It is my prayer today that the next time that you and your spouse have a trigger moment, that you would take it as an invitation to shine light on a truth that is waiting to be revealed. And once it is revealed, 
that the God of all of heaven and of earth will set your marriage free and put you back into position for your marriage to thrive, to be an example to the world. That $1,000 seed that I sown, I asked God to put me and my wife in position to be used by him. And he gave us an idea that has now allowed us to travel the world and to become a river not only to our family, but become a river to our local church. We have now been able to become one, I would say, of a couple that has now inspired thousands of people, thousands of couples to now believe that God can do a miracle in their marriage when they tap into purpose and when they tap into destiny and when they tap into the bigger reason why God put them together and they don't allow triggers and the hard moments to be the things that destroy them, but they turn the hard moments into the best moments. I allow the hardest moments of our marriage to push us back into the position to trust God and now, ladies and gentlemen, we've been able to build businesses. We've been able to sow seeds into Africa. We've been able to sow seeds into our church. We partner with our church. We're local pastors at our church, and we are changing the world together. And we're using the triggers that God has allowed to use those things to transform us and turn us into a couple that is dangerous. And I believe that God is looking for dangerous couples that will stand up and say, we're going to trust God, even though there's moments I don't like them, moments I don't like her, but I know I love her, and I know I'm with her, and I'm standing beside her because she's the one that God gave me to take the gates of hell and begin to do what only we can do together because I guarantee you two are better than one and God has called you and your spouse to do something great and mighty to turn this world around for his glory and his glory alone if you believe that this morning I want you to shout hallelujah I said shout hallelujah